urge uh, my friends and colleagues to look carefully at what I wrote, things that, that I've said that are wrenched out of, out of context of uh, 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 buses. I have concluded that person cannot be me. Old boys. Hello and welcome to episode eight of series one of the Old Boys Book Club, uh, where we are reading Boris Johnson's 72 Virgins every single goddamned word. Uh, my name's Johnny. My name is Andy. And our metaphorical ambulance is inching its way down Tufton Street <laughs> with a payload of absolute carnage in in the back. I feel uh, like our collective will to live is slowly bleeding out yeah. on the floor. Yeah, I fe- I'm feeling a bit like Dean. I'm feeling a bit like I want to pull out of this mission. <laughs> I feel like, what have I signed myself up for? But we are going to hit a milestone in this episode. We're going to pass uh, the, the century. Yes, we are. The yeah. one honey uh, will be up, so we'll be 100 pages in, which which feels significant. Uh, we certainly haven't broken the back of it yet, but we're we're getting there. We're getting there. We're a couple of eps out from the halfway point, and I think that's going to feel... That's going to feel good. Then you're, you're rolling down the hill home. Yeah, yeah. You are putting the jag in neutral and uh, just <laughs> coasting. Coasting. You're saving fuel. You're saving, saving the red diesel you buy from the farm around the corner, <laughs> and you're coasting home. There's a there's a Sisyphus uh, reference, I think, in this uh, in this episode, and and, and boy, yeah. boy, does that feel apt. Yeah, it's um it's another backstory heavy episode. So yeah, again, apologies to all the clock watchers because uh, it's not going to advance much. In we terms are not of, moving forward. If you're expecting some parliamentary fireworks, I'm afraid you know we're not going to get it in this episode. We are going to be getting back into hearing a bit more of Dean. Um, yeah, the last, Dean loving segment will be very pleased. Yeah, we last left him when he was uh, he just burnt down his neighbor's house. Mm-hmm. His neighbor, the cheese enthusiast Price. Um, and being racially abused by his uh, lift operating stepfather. <laughs> yep. Yeah, inexplicably. Yeah, <laughs> one of one of the bleakest moments of the book. Um, yeah. And uh, let let's see how that's played out for him. Yeah. Uh, in, in the rest of his life. And in terms of where our other characters are situated, we haven't actually seen Barlow for a while. He's kind of disappeared off the scene. Yeah. Adam Swallow, who is uh, Cameron, who is Barlow's assistant boyfriend who seems involved in this plot, he makes an appearance. And Cameron herself, she's got a little bit of part to play. But also we've got some <laughs> Parnell and Blewett action, which I know uh, I know there's some big fans of out there. Yeah, so, it's a real odd couple. The real odd couple, yeah. So with that said, and with everyone kind of caught up, uh, should we dive in? Let's dive in. Let's go. Old boys. So this is chapter 20 of uh, Boris Johnson's 72 Virgins, and the time, the time in the book is uh, 9.16 in the morning. Obviously, yeah. the, the time in the show is entering its 7,000th hour. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we're, we're cutting straight to the action here. Um, Blewett was in a considerable taking. The various US listening posts had put together enough snatches of conversation to conclude that something was awry. <laughs> It's only taken 94 pages. It's absolutely correct to assume that, though. Yeah. Yeah. Various despite, listening des- posts. Yeah, despite uh, Parnell not passing any information onto them. Yeah, the fact that there's been no update at all, yeah. that's not clued them in. But yeah. the listening posts, they were right to keep them here. Remember, they've got a uh, Google search alert for Arab. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm coming right over, he told Deputy Assistant Commissioner Parnell, though in reality, he was already on his way. That's blew it. That's, yeah. a real, that's a strategic mind. Tremendous, said Purnell. He waved at Grover, who was just coming in to tell him that the stolen ambulance had been located both on the CCTV and on the APCOA computers. The ops room is all yours. Can I ask why? I want you to explain why the alert status is now red plus. Triff, I'll see you in a short while, Colonel. No, I mean, I want you to explain now. It's weird that Purnell would think... some balls here, yeah. Yeah, but you could... Purnell must have done policing over the phone before. (laughs) (laughs) Have to be in person. (laughs) I think we may have an incident involving an ambulance. An ambulance, huh? Said Blewett, as if he didn't know. (laughs) Yeah. Where has this antagonism between them come from? It's just because they're from different countries. Yeah. And in Boris's world, they could never get on. Yeah, true. Well, they are the same person as well. That's... that's, That's, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, their counterparts. It, yeah. If the book really span out and followed tropes properly, they'd end up in a romantic relationship. Yeah. But this whole thing, in fact, could be uh, like a meta-narrative, a schizophrenic episode by either 
Parnell or Blewett, whoever the real person is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like big black birds of prey alighting one after the other on a telegraph wire, the cars of the cavalcade came <laughs> to a halt in line. Just use the word vultures. Just <laughs> big black birds of prey. Is there, is there a quicker way of saying it? Not, not that I know. <laughs> exactly abreast of the red carpet that spilled from the steps of St. Stephen's entrance drew up the decoy Cadillac de Ville, and the crowd experienced a kind of orgasm of hatred. <laughs> You can imagine of the few politicians that, if I had to guess, had experienced an orgasm of hatred, <laughs> Boris Johnson would be one of them. Yeah, several, several. Incoming, said the USSS men to each other, as the eggs volleyed over the road and the railings. Eggs, he's, the man is obsessed. Yeah. And as soon as they splattered on the crimson cloth, the mess was cleared up by men in black tights with J-cloths. What? Okay. Then the second decoy Cadillac swooped into land and drew some more of the protesters' ammo. Then the first two Cadillacs shifted forward and the real Deville slid into its berth, right slap next to the candy-striped marquee they had erected in front of the St. Stephen's, St. Stephen's entrance. Do they, like... I mean, I, I don't know how sort of presidential protocol for arriving at places work with security, obviously. And I assume Johnson has some idea of how it works, even, you know, way back when in 2004. But do they just really just drive up identical cars to the same place that they're going to be, just one after the other? Like, literally, what, 10 seconds apart, max? That's just, not a decoy, that's just <laughs> stupid. I think the decoy is, is difficult when you um, you know exactly where they're going as well. Yeah. So they're all going to the same place yeah. at the same time. Yeah. A decoy would be having him come in a different kind of car that yeah. was unmarked. Yeah, to a different entrance. Yeah. Yeah. Not just hopefully they'll throw quite a lot of their shit at the first one yeah. and if they've got any left hopefully they'll throw it at the second one and yeah. by the third one the president won't get covered in eggs <laughs> but also if you're going to attack the motorcade and you've just got these three cars in a row that you can all see it's going to be like well you didn't get out of that one yeah you didn't so, get out of that one you throwing your egg yet no the president's not got out <laughs> what do you mean the president's not got out yet uh, yeah you, well don't throw the egg oh I get it now yeah wait wait till the president's out to throw the egg yeah, 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 yeah. yeah it's, not, it's not your first orgasm of hatred, is it? <laughs> Mad. Inside with a battery of sensors and G-men that Jones had hoped to avoid by choosing his subterranean route. You can avoid them on the route, mm. but they're going to be there, aren't they? They're going to be on the door. <laughs> yeah. Anyone that's been to a nightclub would have seen through this. <laughs> Permanent protectees one and two got out. Almost unseen by the mob, they slipped into the shelter of the marquee and went up the steps, hand in hand, for their first engagement, an audience with the Speaker of the House of Commons. Pressing up against the barricades, the statue of John Christian Smuts, the crowd disgraced itself with its commentary. He's <laughs> laying his own cards out Freedom there. of speech is a disgrace. When she entered the pass office, Cameron found she was momentarily tongue-tied. Every yell and honk outside was turning into a beat of warning in her lovely head. <laughs> oh, uh, just You pat her on top of it. That this was wrong, wrong, wrong. Everyone knew the risks, and surely Adam could see that there was something weird about what he was asking her to do. Why was he rushing her? Why was she being given no real time to think? Like, this incredibly shrewd mm. mind who's, like this, yeah. you know, done extremely well at university in politics. And whilst you might not agree with her views, and obviously not because they're monstrous, yeah. she's clearly sharp. Yeah. Like she's she's a, a woman who's been rushed, and she yeah. hasn't got time to think, and she's got all these emotions going all on. Sex hormones going around. How, how can she possibly make the right decision? Mm. It's just so, it's just so patronising. <laughs> yeah. Whatever you thought about the president, he was her leader her head of state. If only in virtue of his office, he deserved her most devoted and assiduous protection. She calmed herself down. Adam could not possibly have got this wrong. It was only a TV crew. <laughs> that's the bit he's got wrong there. Yeah, yeah, that's, that, that's pretty fundamental. Yeah. And even if not, like, any, you could be disguised as a TV crew. I think yeah. that's a plot of many action movie. Yes, my dear, said the man in the peaked cap, a cheerful father of three from Stogumber <laughs> in Somerset. But what a hell of a commute. Yeah. He, he <laughs> would never forgive himself for what he was about to do. He knew Cameron's face and liked it. Oh, oh nice. I like that face. Nice. Father of three doesn't stop him. Yeah, it's <laughs> still a bit of life in the old bull. Yeah. Running around those Somerset passages. Doesn't, just because you've got a steak at home doesn't mean you can't do a bit of window shopping. <laughs> well, the beef burgers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, disgusting. Yeah. What can I do for you? I've come to pick up four press passes in the name of Roger Barlow. The man looked confused. In the name of Roger Barlow? But he's a member. Yes, no, 
I mean, they're one-day press passes, and Roger Barlow was signed for them. She's used the old uh, yes-no there, the yeah. Barlow uh, uh, yeah. pedant yeah. grammar yeah. clue. He's going to be jamming his hand down her throat and counting <laughs> <laughs> yeah. her teeth again. <laughs> Okie dokie, said the guard, and after rustling in a drawer, he produced four laminated badgers. Cool, he said. I see Mr. Barlow's got some interesting friends. The Al-Khadija Network, eh? Cameraman, soundman, producer and reporter. Very good. There you are, my dear. Obviously, he's worked in uh, media before. That seems like the full crew to him. The Al-Khadija Network. Yeah, interesting friends. Why bother investigating? No, no. And he handed them over. As a man might hand over four freshly microwaved Cornish pasties. That's Slightly revolting. Slightly apologetically. Yeah, because yeah, they're limp and yeah. grey. Straight out of the oven. Then allowed to cool. Then microwaved. Yeah. Mmm. Paste, like... Pastry's always at its best when it's been microwaved. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Cameron took them, and she was about to leave the pass office in search of Adam when she felt faint. She'd been up since 5am, or 4am UK time, to catch the early flight back from Brussels. But that wasn't it. She felt suddenly queasy. <laughs> Look at these. <laughs> <laughs> She's been up since 4. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. That, I know that seems like a long time ago, but yeah. it's only actually five hours in the book. Yeah. But that wasn't it. She felt suddenly queasy, looking at these four photographs which Adam had given her and which she had said had come from Benedict. I wonder what about the photographs was making her yeah, queasy. Look, it's just think? faces, isn't it? Yeah, so just faces of people. Unclear to me why mm. she would... And also, um, it's not being described in some sort of bizarre caliper <laughs> counting way, so I can't yeah. even imagine what they look like. There was a bench just outside the office and here she sat with her head forward to promote blood supply. And that's the end that's of another the end thrilling of... chapter. Wow, yeah, wonderful. Nice one. Uh, Short but sweet. Nice one, right. Uh, quick break and then plow into chapter 21. Sounds and, good uh, to me. I think someone's going to be excited because we've got a bit more of uh, Dean's backstory. Oh, exciting. Old boys. Okay, chapter 21. Oh, nine, 19 hours. Inside the ambulance, Jones was giving instructions to Haroon and Habib. We've got about 30 minutes until the beginning. Oh, fucking hell. 30 minutes is the beginning of the speeches That's in book, in the Boris of, verse. Yeah. 10 hours of reading. It's about 100 pages, isn't it? That means we've got 15 minutes to get into Westminster Hall, which isn't very long. It's <laughs> <laughs> Garth Marenga, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, as, yeah. <laughs> as soon as the good doctor gives us the passes, we go. Everything okay now, Dean, my child? He added, turning to look into the rank, blood-spattered shambles. <laughs> <laughs> or am I going to have to shoot you now? Ooh, what a dilemma. Yeah. Is that a joke? Or I don't, I don't think so. Jones doesn't seem like a jokey kind of guy. It's a bit against the run of form, isn't it? Mm. Dean looked out of the dirty side window. He could see a lowered security boom and metropolitan policemen in shirt sleeve order and carrying machine guns. And some way off, Adam, waiting. Now, Jones knew from his briefings that they would be required to negotiate a series of tunnels to attain Westminster Hall. Mm. So he's done a bit more prep on this part the of it. Intel's the, coming yeah, out, yeah. yeah. But tunnels that he just thought would be unmanned at the door yes yeah as soon as adam had gone to take his place in the hall they would emerge and go through the basement of norman shore south the scottish baronial building behind them they had worked out a route past the kitchens and the post room then they would come up the stairs and tack diagonally across the ground floor of portcullis house and then under the road and down the escalators to the colonnade of new palace yard it was a bit complicated but it could be accomplished in a shade over five minutes yeah okay i mean he's assuming that we all work in the houses of parliament here and can can picture this really yeah. easily rather than actually describing it as someone who wouldn't know it but i'm coming sir said dean and there was a small clonk and dean froze slowly he rotated his eyes to the floor <laughs> well some long trombone music right? <laughs> um <laughs> i just like rotating his eyes is just a really funny turn of phrase. rather than moving yeah like, like a sort of frog slowly he looked at the floor uh, was it his imagination or had one of those parking ticket gizmos slipped off the warden's chest surely he no thought dean no one could survive the loss of so much blood he squelched in search of the equipment okay oh, so maybe is this the americans hacking into the the parking machine maybe yeah a bit of drama <clears throat> Life had been tough for Dean since that dreadful night in Wednesbury. Here just, we go. Just do a, yeah, this would be the night where he burnt down his neighbour's house, <laughs> would it? Apropos of nothing. Yeah, I guess, though, that could make a life more difficult. Yeah. <laughs> the magistrates had grasped pretty clearly what had happened, and in some ways they were even sympathetic. But he was still convicted in a juvenile court of arson. Yep, that's because he burnt down a house. <laughs> <laughs> no, no qualms with that as a verdict. Price launched an action with more than 20 separate complaints. 
including destruction of intellectual property. He claimed that he produced a new kind of hard cheese, dense, nutty, and as fissile as parmesan. Mm. It doesn't seem like Price really had the chops for that, though, from what he was making before, which no. was disgusting. Um, basically, nothing short of a yeah. petri dish of bacteria. Yeah, but also, again, like, again, and then we wang on about it all the time, but the tone just completely mad. The top of the paragraph, you've got a young man's life being destroyed by a conviction in juvenile court, and you can argue rightly so. But then at the bottom, it's like piled on top of that is some sort of comedic charge sheet of like, <laughs> yeah, 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 some sort of new kind of parmesan. It was going to be unmistakable, he said, and he'd already ordered the British racing green wax in which it was to be coated. He painted a picture of a revolution in taste, and not just in Britain. His green spheres would pop up in delicatessens across the planet. And now, as I've been Boris Johnson's both, uh, post-Brexit world, we, we really need all of the at-home dabbling cheesemakers that we can get well, our hands true, on. that's you know, true. And once we're free of the EU, you'll be able to call any cheese you make in Wolverhampton Parmesan. Mm. So, D.O.P., it was going to be old Wednesbury, said Price, with tears in his eyes. Oh, he's laying this on thick, isn't yeah. he? This Price guy's a tosser. The magistrate had a holiday house in Normandy. He understood the backwardness of the British in the matter of cheese. He was enough of a patriot to resent the loss of old Wednesbury. What's the Normandy? Uh, so he, ha- he has a house in France, mm. so he understands the kind of heritage of making exceptional cheeses. Yeah. So he sympathises with the... The, the tinkerer cheesemaker maybe is mm. sick of these kind of high-scale production brie manufacturers in Normandy. What's, what's the significance? I don't know. But something tells me that the Boris of today wouldn't be uh, dragging English cheese like this. No. 400 hours community service, he said. Shock and disappointment now crowded in so fast on Dennis and Vi that Dennis had a kind of blip, a small cranial embolism that noticeably slowed him down. I would say that Dennis had another blip when he uh, <laughs> referred to his Rachel son. abused his son. A hideous racial slur, yeah. <laughs> just just as, a, as a knee-jerk response to him being in trouble. Yeah. Um, a small cranial embolism that noticeably slowed him down and Vi, poor Vi, who had loved Dean, contracted ovarian cancer. Cruel irony of fate. As a result of this? I mean, again, this is Dean's fault. And ironic, because she worked in a, <laughs> in a Sea Rider Centre. That is ironic. That is ironic. Only is that... in an Alanis Morissette sense. Isn't it ironic, don't you think, when you spend all day in a Sea Rider shop <laughs> and then your son burns down his neighbour's house <laughs> and you get ovarian cancer, don't you think? <laughs> Still, though, right at the ears, I imagine Boris Johnson paints the... It's like burning of... <laughs> down <laughs> your neighbour's house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, man. it's uh, two cheese knives when I mean, all you need is one spoon. <laughs> but yeah, jo- I'm sure that Johnson uses his all of his writer's wit to uh, surmise the end of her days in yeah. in, uh, in, a, in, a, in a true literary fashion. She faded to bones and was gone. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. There, all that. That's the other way to go about it. Get it out of the way. Yeah. Fucking hell. I mean, the implication is that she wouldn't have got ovarian cancer had he not burned down a house. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Dean left school. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, he's got a lot of community service to do. It's really... I'm surprised he wasn't expelled for being convicted of arson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's just... It's like he's he's just... This is the bit they've said, you've really got to edit this down, you know, that Mm -hmm. death scene's too long. And uh, he's got, yeah, Fader's bow's dead. Next. Yeah. That bit about Dean at school. Dean left school. Next. Yeah, what else? Yeah. What, do, you, do you want me to cut the whole thing? <laughs> All right. Just, no, that's fine. Thank you. He felt and sometimes claimed that he had been vice captain of the school's water polo team, even though that office was not recognised in the school's constitution. Otherwise, his record was unblemished by achievement. What? Who is he claiming this to? Yeah. Um, and it, it's, I mean, most people leave school without, you know, coming top of their class or being vice captain of a sport. The very fact that he was in the sports team in and of itself. Presumably there wasn't... How many players on a water polo team? Five? It's not, it's not 200, is it? in his year. Yeah, yeah. Like, it wasn't a fait accompli that he was going to be a, in the water polo team. I was um, I was one of the best water polo players of my year. Uh, but were you chosen by your peers and your coach to be captain? Oh, uh, no, I wasn't. Well, then you won't be joining this team. This team's just for captains. <laughs> We've got five captains on this water polo team, thank you. <laughs> he fell in with a bad crowd while performing his community service. This is the danger of community service. It is, yeah. That's this what they say, isn't it? It's better to go to prison. Should have locked him up. <laughs> Should have locked him up. They well, soft, the soft Labour government. It was a soft job scraping graffiti off gravestones. <laughs> that sounds lovely. Yeah. There's some Cushy lovely number. graveyards in, uh, in yeah. the Midlands. 
and his and his fellow convicts, Wayne and Paulie, had no desire to move on to the next task, trying to move the gum, which clung like huge pale lichen to Wolverhampton's desolate piazzas. Does Wolverhampton have piazzas? Um, it's covered in gum. <laughs> testament to the frustrated oral desires of office workers prevented from smoking. Prevented from smoking. They're outside, yeah. in a piazza. Yeah, before the smoking ban. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The only thing that's preventing them, their self. <laughs> Are you going to the office? Can't move for smoke. Yeah. <laughs> Wayne and Paulie told Dean about the horrors of this Sisyphean task and how even if the gum came off the flag, it adhered so grimly to the scraper that it seemed nothing would shift it but a tactical nuclear weapon. So every night, I mean, it's just that, that sort of tired comedic exaggeration that's just so wearing at this point. <laughs> On page 99, I'm just, I'm so done with it. <laughs> I would be reading the sort of uh, the York notes of this with with all of the crap taken out. Yeah, because this is no more than a two page book. Mm. Yeah. So every night when the cemetery was locked, Wayne, Dean, and Paulie would shin over the gate, have some drugs. Oh god! <laughs> oh, back on the drugs. Oh god! What are you doing? Well, I'm, I'm going to smoke some cannabis. And you, I, I'm mainlining heroin. Yeah. <laughs> what about you, Paulie? I just I just made my own piece. Like. Uh, you got the drugs. No, I can't get any drugs. So can I have some. Get, get some drugs, mate. Oh, get some drugs. These world views insane. But also, just like, you know, we talked about it, I think, in episode one, but like the man who bills himself as this uh, highly educated, appreciated of the arts. This is, this is, yeah, the shadow culture secretary at the point of writing this book wrote the sentence, had some drugs. Dean and Paulie would chin over the gate, have some drugs. Just astonishing, isn't it? And then, like Penelope with her loom, they would busily undo the work of the day. I'm sure that's how they felt. I'm sure that Gove calls it cocaine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good does it does have some drugs, does it? Yeah. Yeah. That's Michael. Yeah, he could have given him the correct verbiage. Yeah, him, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you having some drugs again, Michael? Yeah. No? Having another nose bag of gaff. Michael, get out of that there. cemetery, Michael, for <laughs> God's sake. Oh, I'm not going in the piazzas. I'm absolutely caped with gum. <laughs> Here was the mossy tomb of Hannah, beloved wife of Tobias Horton, departed this world in the year of grace, 1869. SCMU, wrote Dean. He meant to write scum, but was so stoned that dyslexia was added to his list of troubles. It's just, I mean, it, we, we, we sit at the sort of pioneering uh, front line of medical cannabis being prescribed to, uh, to treat a number of, um, mm. of illnesses, both mental and physical. Um, but in Boris Johnson's mind... Uh, the act of consuming cannabis would make you dyslexic <laughs> temporarily. <laughs> and not in a way that people think, oh, dyslexia, you know, that's the, all, everything kind of jumbles together, mm. it blurs up. Just you sometimes switch the letters around. Yeah. It's, it's insulting to so many people. Yeah. <laughs> and it's a throwaway. He, doesn't even, he won't even remember writing that line. No, no. This is, this is a time, though, remember, that where old boys were particularly furious that some children got extra time in exams. Yeah, and a free laptop. Yeah, and a free Ta laptop. Ta not uh, taxpayers. Yeah. The taxis avoiding paid for that. Yeah. Here were the higgledy-piggledy headstones of the Arbonaut family, sticking out of the earth like carrier's teeth. Oh, dear. Oh, uh, okay, so... Uh, <laughs> uh, Dean now uh, says, fuck off, and then follows it with a racial slur that uh, at one point would not have looked out of place on, a, on an old-school marmalade packet, if you, uh, <laughs> if you catch my drift. Um, so, yeah, fuck off. Racial slur wrote Dean on the Arbonauts in view of his complexes, well known to his social workers. He thought this act unlikely to be blamed on him. Too uh, stone to spell scum properly, but not too stone to have fully thought through an escape yeah. plan for doing the graffiti in the first place. Yeah. Sean advised mediation. His life at home had become almost satirically bad. <laughs> That's. Uh, Interesting sentence to have in this book. Almost satirically bad. He and Dennis timing their routine so as not even to meet in the kitchen. After a year of drifting and rejecting every solution that Dennis could offer, Dean was, as the politicians like to put it, on the conveyor belt to crime. I wonder why he's not accepting Dean's, uh, sorry, Dennis's solutions to his issues. Do you think it might have anything to do with the fact that he racially abused him? It seems likely that that would have made the relationship more frosty, <laughs> yeah. And it's going to be difficult for him, as, as, as his situation worsens, to trust Dennis has taken, given that any transgression has uh, yeah. elicited a, a, a racial epithet, yeah. which is soul-destroying. Yeah. It's, it's bad enough to make someone a terrorist. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, anyway, I, I, what I'm keen to know is, what are they satiring? 
What, poking fun at what? Yeah. Is it, uh, well, maybe if we don't have breakfast at the same time. Well, it's, yeah. It's just, it's just all rubbish, isn't it? Mm. But yeah, as the politicians like to put it, on the conveyor belt to crime. Mm. Twice on the urgings of Wayne and Paulie, he had been involved in attempted joyriding. Once he had been caught. Once he had served as a lookout while Wayne and Paulie burgled a house in Willenhall. What I would say about conveyor belts, though, is that you don't often start with the finished product, take it through a few other turns, and end up with the finished product. <laughs> Dean was on the conveyor belt to crime when he burnt down someone's house. <laughs> he started with the fully formed product. He's not yeah. moving along and adding state. He's, yeah. he, he's done a crime. He's, yeah. if he, as he's much as he's done drugs, crime, he's yeah. done a crime. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> burgled a house in Willenhall, a bosky street with quiet villas set well back from the lamps. The residence, did he but know it, of his natural father whose wiper business had been wiped out by Tory interest rates and who made a tidy living offering consultancy to fellow victims on how to go bust in the most profitable way possible. Odd sentence. Mm. I mean, obviously having a go at some uh, previous Tory policies, which is a, a refreshing uh, change from his uh, bashing of uh, most of the Labour policies that led to, you know, as, as, as we know, that's the only reason Dean became a terrorist, because he was allowed to be adopted the nanny state, by a basically. white couple. Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> You could not really say that the state had failed, young Dean, not for lack of resources. I feel like you could. <laughs> I feel like there's a number of ways. <laughs> Propping him on the end of the conveyor belt to crime would be a way. Well, you know, I'm sensing some scepticism from you here, Andrew, and uh, Boris is going to go ahead and correct the record. Mm. So I'd like to hear your rebuttal to this. Oh. If a heartless politician were to engage in gratuitous political point scoring, mm -hmm. I wonder who that might be, <laughs> he might know that Dean was cared for by a substance abuse outreach worker, brackets, £25,000 per year, a crime prevention detached youth project worker, brackets, £31,000 a year, a burglary reduction worker, brackets, £23,000 a year, a probation officer, brackets, £26,000 a year, a vehicle theft reduction worker, brackets, £28,000 plus cars, and a representative of DYSPEL a state-funded body that sees the need of dyslexic young offenders, brackets, £36,000 a year. So, so I add that up to be in excess of £150,000 a year. Mm -hmm. um, are, they, are they working with Dean full-time? What's, what's the point that's been made? It's expensive to rehabilitate young people, Labor so it's better, better not to? Lock them up. Lock them up. How much? One prison officer. No pounds yeah. a year. <laughs> We've already built the prisons, <laughs> yeah. so that's free. Yeah, just yeah, it's that kind of mentality, isn't it? Which is why we're just lagging behind most um, sort of uh, mm. most states with an evolved um, legal system and uh, and uh, rehabilitation system. It's this mentality that well, if you've got to pay people to do it, don't do it. Well, it's I'm I'm surprised that you're still skeptical. So uh, I'm going to carry on. Uh, no single person really took an intelligent interest in him until one day some liberal genius in the Home Office came up with a fresh start scheme in a move evoking the excess of 1970s Sweden. <laughs> we all remember the 1970s. Oh, God, don't. Don't. When Sweden just nuked five separate countries just on a whim. On a, on well, a they could, couldn't they? Sweet. Yeah. Um, All went downhill for Sweden, didn't it, since then? Where are they now? Absolute basket case of a country. You never get anyone praising Sweden for record levels of happiness, record levels of no offence. Not even so, yeah, yeah, crime in Rehabilitating yeah, yeah. prisoners. Ridiculous. In a move evoking the excesses of 1970s Sweden, or the penal policies of Sir Wilfred Lucas Dockery, I mean, for, I don't know for anyone who's up to speed on that. Yeah, <laughs> the Home Secretary decided that there was only one way of getting Dean and his kind off their conveyor belt before they became fully assembled, galvanised, and rust-proofed criminals. He really took that too far, didn't he? The idea was that they should all be given a ten thousand pound fresh start fund at the expense of the taxpayer. I couldn't agree more. <laughs> Wayne, Paulie, and Dean could hardly believe their luck. That's thirty grand. Thirty grand. Come on. What are they going to do with that? Fresh starts. They immediately rented a large house where they lived in scenes of unremitting squalor. They relieved... <laughs> Interesting response to inheriting money, but okay. Yeah. They relieved the sudden tedium of affluence with drink and drugs. They brought an orange Vauxhall Astra, which they ineffectively souped up and rammed through the window of a right price in Bilston. <laughs> <laughs> That'll do it. Uh, yeah. Wayne sustained such serious injuries that he spent much of the next few years shuttling at indescribable public expense between Stoke Mandeville and assorted respite centres. 
So it, more oh, money wasted. Spend, caring for a sick man. I think when it comes to um, to rehabilitation, Johnny, you've got to spend money to make money. Yeah. So I think that um, <laughs> I think that that ten grand has probably gone gone some way to re. I, I suspect as this book pans out, we find a lot of a lot more on the rehabilitation side than we do on the recommitting crime side. What 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 is his solution that he's offering here? Well, it's not the original solution, which was to pay um, decent wages to people yeah. to try and uh, help them out of. Yeah, uh, their situation. Presumably, the the goal there is not to increase crime. No, nor is make it all to... those people jobless. Though that's what we should do first and foremost. Yeah, because one of the people. main drivers of crime is having a solid job in existence. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's also not to give them ten thousand pounds. But I also don't think there's um any sort of person that looks into this, any sort of policymaker, would say that. Well, you know, we've tried the pay people mm. to help them route, and that's not worked. Um, we've tried the give them money route. With mm. no structure at all, so that's not mm. worked. So we've tried everything. Mm. It feels like these are cherry-picked examples to sort of make a, his point. Yeah. But I'd be interested to see now he is prime minister. Yeah. Which uh, which way he goes? Is he going to stop paying everyone? Mm. Or is he to give their salaries to uh, to offenders? Well, also like it, it's interesting to because he seems fully signed up to the idea of this conveyor belt of crime idea, right? Mm. So he just sees it as an unstoppable progression, and so there's no point in doing anything about it, right? Yeah, you sort of, they're going to become criminals. So what? You just lock them up and throw away the key. I assume is what he thinks should happen. But he be, just doesn't yeah. quite have the courage to say that. Um, so he does it through a series of kind of veiled criticisms yeah, about of the alternatives. Yeah, yeah. Well, unless his unless he thinks something will radically just kill them. Just mm, or maybe yeah. 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 Um, this is page one hundred, by the way. A little milestone. Oh, okay. Well, well done. Excellent. We, yeah, one hundred pages in. The century's up. Uh, and uh, yeah, he's attacking. Uh, it's a good, good, wonky policy discussion. Yeah, 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 I like it. Dean and Paulie were still more or less in one piece, and the bulk of their fresh start funds were used to compensate right price. It was furthermore decided by the parole officers and social workers that, insofar as Dean and Paulie still had a debt to right price, they should repay it by working there. Free as part of a youth training scheme called Passport to Jobs. And that's all one word with two as the number two. How many, um, how many crimes? Do you commit on probation before they take a stand? Before your <laughs> social worker and parole officer say, "All right, that's enough crimes, guys." Yeah, you, you, you know, next time it's the big house. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they've done quite a lot of crimes yeah. whilst they've been on probation. Yeah, and remember, he's he was tried in a juvenile court because he was sixteen. Mm. So, uh, and his sentence was community service, as was discussed. So, yeah, I'd really love to know what he thinks should be done with young offenders. Because um, he seems to think it should be less of a caring, supporting, mm. people nurturing them kind of role, and more of just a uh, more 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 stick, less carrot. I think. Yeah. Under passport to jobs, some of the least employable young people in Britain were allowed to sit picking their noses and reading Fiesta in the stockrooms of firms willing to accept the subsidies attached. It seems to me that he's uh, critical of this back- scheme as well. Yeah, it's, all, it's all a backhander, isn't it? Um, so yeah, they'll just sit in stockrooms reading porn magazines. Um, and picking their noses. That's uh, they will though. They, they will. The criminal yeah. youth. Yep. Dean was in some way a gifted shelf stacker. <laughs> That's only one way to be a gifted shelf stacker. Yeah. He devised a way of booby trapping the Pampers nappies so that a shopper couldn't pull out one of the plastic breeze blocks of maxi pluses without the rest of them raining down on her, or more gratifyingly still, on the head of the little brute in the buggy. That seems like he's not a gifted shelf stacker. No, that seems, that seems like a very poor Maybe this stacking is, of shelves. Yeah, this is the the embryonic uh, formation of a terrorist genius. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah quite possibly booby trapping. Uh, and uh, again, uh, hatred of kids here, just like you know, raining ma- heavy blocks of nappies down on a toddler's head. Um, he was wholly absorbed, as though back at his Montessori school and creating pyramids of oranges and nectarines. One week, to his shivering pleasure, a photocopied form was stuck on the board announcing that he was Right Price's most useful employee of the month in June. Well done, Dean, said curly-haired Vanessa at the checkout, and Dean shot a glance at her. Sounds like this passport to jobs is actually paying off. Yeah, like he, he's derived pleasure from being the employee of the month. Well done, Dean. Uh, she was beaming at him, showing loads of pretty white teeth. There seemed no question about her sincerity. Uh, which leads me to think there might be a question about her sincerity. <laughs> <laughs> you were, yeah, mm. check off sincerity. <laughs> Thanks, he said. It wasn't obvious, as he stomped over to the so-called delicatessen section. But he was walking on air. 
<laughs> Things looking up for Dean. Yeah. Over the next few days, he started looking more closely at Vanessa, who was, though he and Paul Lee argued about this to begin with, at least as pretty as some of the girls in the Daily Star. Right. Okay. Um, on any pretext, he would wander past her checkout and make some remark in the hope of eliciting a smile. He was usually successful. Every time he looked at her sweet oval face and her tight white checkout coat, he felt the choky feeling in his lungs. Bashfully, <laughs> he would buy chocolates at her till with his own money, and ching-ching, he would present them to her. Men get choky feelings in the lungs, whereas women are overcome with yeah. hormones and pheromones that render them incapable. <laughs> yeah. Uh, one day, he asked her to the pub with Paulie, and as they said goodnight, she actually stuck out her cheek for a kiss. Whoa. Ooh. He took her out again, and when he got home, he looked at himself in the mirror. He hadn't told her his origins, and he wasn't sure what to say. The interesting thing about his half-cast look... Oh, my God. He's stuck it in. <laughs> I was starting to... Yeah. No, no. Oh, man, this is really bad. <laughs> The interesting thing about his half-cast looks, he decided, was that he didn't look negroid. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. my... No, 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 yeah. no, no, no. Yeah. What's it... Oh, but, oh, no. That would be... Firstly, that's no one's internal monologue. No. I, I, that's, that's judged by a racist white person's voice. I think he's overheard Dennis on the phone descri yeah. <laughs> describing his son yeah. to the police. Does, no, he doesn't even look... <laughs> no. God, it's, it's just horrible. It is. It's, so, it's just so unnecessary as well. You just yeah. don't need to... You absolutely, 100% can get that point across without saying that. No, and it, it's something as fundamental as uh, people from this part of the world look a specific way. Yeah. And there's nothing like... And that's just a fact. And he goes on. He looks kind of Arab. Dark skin, curly hair, a forceful but straight nose. Yes, for the purposes of conversations with Vanessa, he would be a shake. Right, but she is, is. This isn't even response to someone asking him. No. This is his own presumptions mm. about what might come up as a conversation. Mm. One night in the pub, he poured forth his life story: the misery of his existence with Dennis and Vi, the burning of Price's Chisorium, the tragic ram raid. He couldn't believe how much she wanted to know and how saddened she seemed by the details of his shocking finances. <laughs> I mean, that, that's that's ultimate. That's the old boy concern there. Yeah, like, what's yeah, the yeah. bank balance at? He's saving half. <laughs> No, because they work for free yeah. as part of an agreement to not yeah. be in prison. Yeah. For the first time in his life, it occurred to him that he might be an interesting person. Here, Vanessa, said Dean, who was fairly sure he was on the right lines. Has anyone ever told you how lovely you are? Oh, Dean, said Vanessa. That's really, really sweet. And Vanessa spells really R-E-E-L-Y. It's unclear what accent that is, isn't it? Yeah, I don't, yeah. Vanessa, said Dean, knitting his fingers, I love you. Ooh, fast mover. Those three little words. Kind of Arab. <laughs> oh, Dean, she said, and to his delirious stupefaction, she hugged him. But the following night, when he had summoned the bottle to ask her whether she would like, perhaps, to see a film, it turned out she was busy. Is that a straight date, seeing a film? Oh, yeah. I mean, I guess it probably is, right? It's horses for courses, dates-wise, obviously, but... I, I mean, know. I don't know if they do have a zoo in Wolverhampton, but thank God he avoided it. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Yeah, and uh, didn't try. He bought chocolates from her at the at her till, not homosexual cakes from the bakery. Of course, yeah. Is it a black and white film? No, it's an action movie. Mm. Okay, straight man. Yeah. Oh yeah, because it was films, wasn't it? The Inuit. Yeah. Doc yeah, yeah. But the following night, when she had summoned the bottle to ask her, would she like perhaps to see a film? It turned out she was busy. Something to do with her nan and a hip bath and cuts in social services. <laughs> Everything. It's all, you know. You remember that was there was that advert where the uh, the person was saying, "I'm not. I don't do politics." There was yeah. an advert a few years yeah. ago, and uh, this guy saying everything's politics. Yeah, he, Johnson's really <laughs> taking that to heart. Isn't it? Every single line or paragraph comes back in some way to some Imagine political that reform he disagrees with. Imagine that conversation between Vanessa and Dean. There. Oh, you want to come to the cinema tonight? No, I can't. I've got to give my nan a sponge bath because uh, the government has cut social services, which means that. Uh, the person who used it like it's oh, yeah, absolutely insane I've got to give my nan a sponge bath Dean goes in to sympathise and she goes no yeah. before I can <laughs> actually Dean I really want to make a point here because um, you know the local so uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, it was the same story the following night or rather it was a different story but with the same result this time there was something very slightly distant in her manner that evening when Paulie came back to their digs Dean had a sudden suspicion next Monday evening came the moment of tragic revelation it was not strictly true that it was a night he would never forget since the memory became distorted over the years, depending on how much he wanted to, to torment himself. 
Sometimes it was an X-rated scene. Sometimes it was almost innocent. It involved Vanessa and Paulie and a storeroom for cleaning things, which they wrongly believed they had locked from the inside. Dean was so offended, so horrified, and of course so jealous, that he could only think of one thing to do. He spent the rest of his brief career at Wright Price hiding in the storeroom to make sure it could never happen again. He was fired. Oh, Dean. So, looks like Paulie and Vanessa have um, done the old dirty in the storeroom cupboard of Wright Price. And like any normal person, <laughs> Dean has decided <laughs> that that's, <laughs> that's the only place they'll ever have sex. So he's going to stay there forever. <laughs> But no, it's not <laughs> been foiled by the those those damn capitalists that run right prices yeah. who expect him to be on the shop floor. You can't stack shelves in there, Dean. They'll have said many a time, I'm sure. Yeah, you, you can imagine uh, Paulie and Vanessa just waiting anxiously outside the store. Is he still in there? <laughs> oh, God damn it. There's nowhere else supposed to go. Yeah. And then as he gets marched out, fine, they're just straight in there. <laughs> Slipping in. Like a rat of a drain pipe. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, a few days later he was sitting at home eating a pot noodle and watching Countdown when mm. Paulie walked in he was looking triumphant here look who I shagged he was waving the Guardian not a newspaper that normally came into this household not with their financial troubles <laughs> no. it was a long article by someone called Lucy Goodbody mm. rejected Bond name <laughs> Bond character <laughs> in the G2 section called Breadline Britain it was all about being a checkout girl in a shop in Wolverhampton. No, Uh-oh. you don't think. You couldn't be. And how tough it was. He looked at the picture byline. That wasn't Lucy Goodbody. Who was it? That was Vanessa. No! <laughs> <laughs> What's this bollocks, he asked. <laughs> With mounting despair, Lucy Goodbody's account of the life in right price Wolverhampton. It seemed they were amongst the lowest paid workers in Britain. Well, they're working for free. <laughs> Yeah, they are. They are the joint lowest paid workers in Britain. Ah. And according to Lucy Goodbody, they all hated their jobs. That's not true, thought Dean. He'd rather enjoyed bits of it. But he was throwing heavy items yeah. on babies' heads. Yeah. <laughs> then he came to the passage about him. She described someone called Dave, a young, painfully lost-looking Anglo-Caribbean with a beautiful smile. To my shame and embarrassment, recorded Lucy Goodbody in her diary-type report, young Dave is developing a crush on me. He uses any excuse to come to my checkout till and buys me presents he really can't afford. This must have been an excruciating article to read in real time as she's writing it in the present tense. Yeah. Dean could read no longer. His eyes were too full. Doesn't say of what, but... (laughs) Hate. Hate all tears. Yeah. Eggs. Um... (laughs) I shagged her, said Paulie. I shagged some reporter from The Guardian. Paulie's momentary lapse as a friend of Dean, remembering that yeah. Dean was quite distraught by this and locked himself in a cupboard when he yeah. found out. <laughs> Paulie must be, unless he's like completely type A and just clueless about it, he's must somewhat aware of Dean's feelings towards yeah. her. Either thought so. That afternoon, Dean did something really stupid. And this is a man with a history of <laughs> very bad responses to even mixed news. <laughs> It occurred to him that he knew where the Guardian was based. It was just down the road. At least it must be the local branch of the Guardian because it had a big black and white sign over the shop front saying, The Guardian, The Observer. The luckless news agents went the way of Price's Cheese Lab. Oh, Dean. Once a flamer, always a flamer. Oh, dear. He had been in Her Majesty's Young Offenders Institution at Feltham for two weeks when he became aware of Islam. <laughs> right, so this okay. we're starting to see a little chain of events here. So this is also presumably the beginnings of a criticism about locking people up as well. Yes. Yeah. Mostly a criticism of female journalists, though. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> What's all those shoes doing there, he asked as he was walked down a dim corridor. It's the mosque, in it? Uh, every Friday lunchtime, he listened to the Kurtab. He heard incredible things and things that seemed to him to be obvious that explained so much about the evils of his world. He couldn't believe, really, that a preacher was allowed by the authorities to speak so frankly to prisoners. Um, I mean, even the prisons are wrong, mate. Even the prisons are wrong. You can't. Apparently, there was a satanic Zionist Freemason plot to ban the hijab or headscarf. That didn't seem too bad to Dean. He'd vaguely heard that they were doing something of the kind in France. He sort of remembered it from... Uh, oh, where would Dean have picked that up? Maybe that one time he read The Guardian? <laughs> yeah. Another Lucy Goodbody exclusive. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
Britain is a society of divorce and adultery where women are not taught to respect their own bodies, said the imam. Yeah, Dean felt sick as he thought of Vanessa writhing on the floor of the storeroom. That doesn't sound very pleasant. <laughs> no. Um, 35% of women in Britain have been abused, said the imam, usually by someone known to them. In the Muslim religion, women are to be loved and respected and not treated like a piece of meat. Mm. Yeah, Dean thought of Vanessa slash Lucy Goodbody. The very name was now a provocation and how she treated her own sexuality. He thought how she had obviously liked the piece of meat approach and he shuddered with horror and desire and incomprehension. Um, I'm beginning to get a sense that women are to blame. <laughs> Again, yeah, it feels like it's, it's landing fairly squarely at the yeah. feet of women, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> He discovered that Islam meant surrender, it meant obedience, it meant union with God and with the word of God, unmediated by human agency. It also meant specifically a rejection of a world which had rejected him. When he left Feltham six months later, there were all kinds of outreach workers ready to reach out for him, but Dean was now on a different conveyor belt. Oh, OK, well, that sounds positive. Yeah. It was at the Finsbury Park Islamic Welfare Centre where he went to pray that he fell in with the man called Jones. Jones was a disciple and lieutenant of a one-eyed, one-armed cleric who had survived and prospered despite, or perhaps because of, all the hatred heaped upon him by the tabloid papers. Okay, it's starting to sound a bit so this, more negative for yeah, Dean. This is, this is Abu Hamza, right? So he's oh. a real character in this, in the Boris verse. So he's one of the people that's made the trip over into Boris's real yeah. life. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Faith was flowering here in the most unpromising surroundings. Hard by the thundering railway bridge was a kind of concrete cattle yard, and here the faithful came in their hundreds from all over the world, five times a day, to hear the militant Islamic teaching of the one-eyed mullah. So immediately we've got a conflation of Islam with a kind of violent militant extremism. Mm, yeah. Um, which is problematic, yeah. obviously. And also you can be introduced to it fairly ambivalently, Yeah, but you will accelerate and you will seek out the most extreme... Yeah. ranks of it anyway yeah yeah and it yeah he, he yeah he's just presenting uh, obviously an incredibly one-eyed version of a incredibly um small section of well, the largest faith in the world i think so. i'm right in saying um didn't didn't um manage to reach the same levels of criticism for cameron's conservative christianity really N no that not the got same level point. of condemnation no. um the American Christian fundamentalists want to bring about Armageddon. This is the one-eyed mullah speaking. Which is preparatory to the second coming of Christ, said the priest. His audience sat on the tarpaulins, listening with glassy appreciation. It is planned to have the first homosexual prime minister. They wish to clone... Well, it's probably making a pineapple upside-down cake as we speak. <laughs> also, there's definitely already been some. I mean... <laughs> yeah. 100%. Um... They wish to clone human beings. They wish to legalize child prostitution. Marriage with animals will become legalized. The women will be allowed to beat the men with rods like in the American jails. Right, okay. so again, tying this yeah, to yeah, Adam yeah. Grabe. There will be microchipping of the entire population. GM crops will be introduced. Yeah, thought Dean. You should see some of the things we used to sell at right price. Oh, Slipping a gag in there, yeah, lightning a the tone. Yeah, exactly. Separate it up a bit. How do you think Boris researched this part of the book? Do you think he went to the Finsbury Park Mosque and listened to... I can't imagine he did. Finsbury Park gets a pretty bad rap oh, throughout the books. absolutely murked by Boris in this book. What happened is he's probably got a puncture there mm. and then he's just uh, he's found out something and then just no. linked it and expanded it. I, I very much... I can't imagine him going and spending time researching any part of this book, <laughs> yeah. but certainly not this part. What, you don't think he did a shift at right price in Wolverhampton? <laughs> Actually, no, he probably shagged someone in the cupboard and yeah. right him all out. He probably did do that. Uh, they want to destroy the Alaska Mosque. Slowly, Dean became not just spiritually awakened and doctrinally literate. He became politically engaged. They had videos at the Islamic Welfare Center documenting the struggles against the Israeli occupation. And they had videos narrating and celebrating the sacrifice of the suicide bombers. He learned of Richard Reed, the heroic young man from South London who tried to blow up his own shoe. He heard of other would-be heroes who had gone so far undetected by the authorities. The sock bomber, the pants bomber, the vest bomber, the biro bomber, and most rare and admirable, the bra bomber. Okay, interesting. Would that be a female suicide yeah. bomber? Again, a sort of weird mixture of kind of gags and um, uh, Islamophobia. Yeah, yeah. So in the pub. Yeah, there'll be <laughs> bloody bombing in their bras next. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sometimes, after he had been brought to an ebullition of anger, he started to wonder whether he might be made of the same stuff. And so did Jones. Jones the bomb. Ah. <laughs> Remember, said this prince of philosophers after their first tutorial. I mean, we've met, we know quite a lot about Jones. 
so far. Mm-hmm. Yes, 106 pages that we're now at. Wouldn't call him a prince of philosophers. N- no, he, se- he seems fairly manipulative. No, um, he was outwitted by a sat-nav not too yeah. long ago. He's got new nemesis, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Which, is, which is literally two crossed wires. Remember, said this prince of philosophers after their first tutorial, he who does not fight is not a true believer. Every word Jones uttered seemed to slide into place like a sweetly smacked nail. Now, as they sat in the Norman Shaw North car park, Jones the Bomb repeated those words. Dean found he needed no further prompting. Jones the Bomb should probably have done that to Dean a bit earlier then. Yeah. Really shortcut a lot of the um, anxiety (laughs) Dean's been feeling. With dexterous shelf stackers' hands, he assembled the team's gear like a man in charge of a parachute jump or a dive. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not really getting that. Just a parachute (laughs) jump, he'd be, what would he be doing? Or a dive. Ah, okay, got it. I'm there. Oh, we've got, we got some absolute classics here. They had a big DSR-370P Sony camcorder. <laughs> Ooh, very nice too. <laughs> With no battery to be carried by Habib. And they had two big fluffy grey sound booms. Though anyone who knew anything about TV would spot that this was unnecessary and one of the sound booms was no longer grey. Quick yes or no, is that unnecessary, Johnny? Uh, well, I mean, it depends how many people you're planning to interview. Um, anyone who knows anything about TV. I mean, I mean, at the very least, take a spare with you in case one of them breaks. Um, bloody hell, said Dean, for such, since his conversation was the limit of his profanity. The bloody warden has bleeding bled on everything. Never mind, Dean, said Jones. And that's the end of chapter 21. And I think um, looking at this next chapter, which I think, uh, yeah, we've got time for one more. Should we dive in chapter 22? Yeah, let's get straight in. Let's I'm just surprised that Dean, who's been wading around in blood for an entire chapter, <laughs> was surprised that he's got blood on stuff. But let's hit it. Chapter 22. Old boys. All right, said Deputy Assistant Commissioner Purnell to Colonel Blewett. Let's be practical. The President is due to start speaking at 10 a.m. In <laughs> all candor, I think if we haven't found this blasted ambulance by then, we should activate option minicab. I don't know what option <laughs> minicab is, but I'm in agreement. I like Purnell uh, saying, let's be practical. 20 minutes before the president arrives. All right, we've been we've been a bit esoteric so far. Yeah. Let's be practical. Yeah. We, we actually don't know what's going on. Yeah. Blewett winced. Minicab was the emergency exit. It meant, I mean, so what, now he's the kind of cavalier one. He's just yeah. let, he's let Purnell ride it out. Yeah. Like, oh, God, you should... As soon as Purnell says maybe we should do something, Blewett's yeah. like, oh, why? Yeah. I actually want to do something. <laughs> it meant bundling the two permanent protectees into the Black Hawk, flying straight to Northolt and putting them aboard Air Force One, the blue painted 747. She, he said. <laughs> Which presumably means something to someone. It would go down as one of the most lamentable lapses in presidential security since they shot Ronald Reagan. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can imagine that. I Which, can think of a more lamentable lapse of presidential security in the. <laughs> anything ever? No, Reagan probably getting shot. Like I just maybe with the weight of history upon them, mm. they would have planned this better together. Yeah. So yeah, extracting the president um, because of a imminent threat would be worse than doing nothing. Much better for him to be shot. Yeah. Much better. Yeah. Let's run that tape again, he said. Through the eye of a CCTV camera mounted on the Barry Tower of the House of Lords, they watched the ambulance make its jerky progress up Millbank. The shot was grey and fuzzy, but the licence plate, L64896P, which I'm sure (laughs) if you read it some way is hilarious, was clear enough. Though they didn't know it, they also watched Barlow and Ziggy Roberts moving in 10-yard leaps and making Chaplin-esque gestures. It is just a joke of Barlow, after all. Yeah. That's our guys, said Blewett, as they watched the ambulance being stopped by Joe and Matt, the USSS men. What are they frigging playing at? <laughs> Not noticing the man with blood all over his hands driving yeah. an ambulance, with no ambulance uniform on. <gasps> yeah, some I can't guys believe... in the back just messing around. I'm fucking angry at Boris for making us relive details from previous chapters that we'd covered it's like that annoys me but I presume he just does that throughout the book so this is just a crescendo of stuff you yeah. already know in a different yeah. order yeah it's no one's fault said Deputy Assistant Commissioner Purnell <laughs> presumably knowing full well that it's his <laughs> fault no 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 you can't no you can't put blame into this no I don't no it's not helpful that said Blewett may or may not turn out to be the verdict of history so now <laughs> it goes at Whitehall and then I am afraid we lose it we lose it said Blewett well, it seems one of the cameras has been vandalised. Shit, said Blewett. There's a lot of ill feeling against the congestion charge, you know. Oh, of course, oh, he is on that zinger. For fuck's sake. And that's the end of uh, chapter 22. Ending it again with another 
fucking dig at, you know, policy that presumably isn't Tory policy. Gets in the way of, you know, everyday life. You should be able to drive your uh, massive, horrible diesel engine yeah. through the city centre, maybe a Range Rover on top of a tractor, yeah. both <laughs> engines running fully. <laughs> Whenever you like, you should be able to get through the town. Quick case, because why would it be any slower at all? Yeah. And that's vandalised the camera. And now, because of you lefties, the president's going to die. Yeah. And also, I love it that like they've been looking for this ambulance since like the first chapter of this book. And they've only just now thought to check CCTV cameras. Yeah. This is Purnell just trying to sort of quash it and think hopefully it'll be all right. Yeah. It's been it's been stolen in Wolverhampton. It's driven to within 0.6 miles of the uh, <laughs> House of Parliament. But perhaps it's a coincidence. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. There we, there we have another riveting. Yeah. Well, should we take a quick break and then um, draw a veil over this episode? Yes. Old boys. Right. So... I guess the ma- the main thing to come out of that episode is some more of Dean's backstory. Yeah. Uh, we get uh, the reason why he became uh, radicalised mm. was because a female Guardian journalist wouldn't sleep with him. Yeah, which I think is actually how most uh, people <laughs> do join terrorist ranks. Um, I think we complained a few times about um, Johnson's writing style and his lack of... Um, his lack of um, ascribing backstory to people. Mm. Um, but Dean's is just so unutterably bleak yeah. that I'd rather just have a book of superficial characters that you never really get to know yeah. than know any more about anyone else and anything that's happened to them in their lives. Yeah, but also so transparently partisan as well. Mm. Like, just the way that he just clunkily brings up all that policy discussion about, you know, it's the classic kind of... Tory arguments about, you know, left-wing governments wasting money on, like, trying to rehabilitate people. And it's like, well, what's your alternative? Like, I know we said this during the chapters, but, like, he dismisses any kind of rehabilitation effort as Mm. a waste of money. Um, He then goes into, you know, Dean gets radicalised in prison because, what, people are uh, allowing faith to be practised in prison. Yeah, and that's... Specifically Islam. Like, he he doesn't go into it, but... um, I mean, I would assume that he would have no problem with uh, vicars or priests. Yeah, yeah, of course. You know, leading classes in prison. Um, He certainly doesn't mention that all faith should be banned from prison. It's just that, oh, look, this is where radicalisation is happening. We heard in a previous chapter that Jones the Bomb was radicalised in, what was it, Aberystwyth University or something? That's that's where we learned how to make bombs. Yeah, another On a hairdressing course. Exactly, yeah. Part of Tony Blair's mad plan to, to... build more universities to educate people. Again, an effort um, to try and improve people's lot. Yeah. And don't get me wrong, like, you can have a valid policy disagreement with all of this stuff, and, you know, plenty of people do. But to attack a policy like um, turning, I don't know, uh, community colleges into universities because they create terrorists is insane. <laughs> it's, it's fairly unfounded, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. And yeah. Yeah, that this would be the reason that's driving his thinking. Yeah. It's uh, no, it's just. I mean, as the as the whole thing is, it's bizarre, and yeah. you, you could just have that as a reductionist point that everything in it is bizarre. But mm. the, the 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 way he crowbars these opinions in, yeah, it's yeah. Uh, it's, it's astonishing. And also the way that I think he probably, I can imagine him thinking he's being so clever and thinking that this is in somehow a, way, a piece of subtle propaganda. Yeah, um, that you know that he somehow snuck into this uh, ripped-from-the-headlines thriller that's going to be taking British bookstores by force. And lots of, I don't know, what, I don't, people who on the left side of the political spectrum would pick it up and read it and what their opinions would be changed. They were lying poolside, having got it in the probably the <laughs> WH method you worked in. <laughs> and uh, they'll be lying there thinking, God, my, is my entire political ideology wrong? Because yeah. I, I thought that we should rehabilitate people. But mm. now I've read this book and I've realised that there's a chance that they might go on to a, a career in crime and then and then become an international terrorist. Yeah. So, so God, maybe, I don't know, maybe, maybe the stocks, maybe, yeah. maybe bring back hanging. Because if they're dead, they yeah. can't become a terrorist. Is that, what, yeah. What's his angle on this? Yeah. Well, that that presumably is it, because he presents Dean's descent into his situation as as we arrive at the start of the book as as a member of a, a terrorist cell as inevitable. He's on a conveyor belt. Yeah. There's nothing you can do about it. He's on a conveyor belt to crime, and then he's on a conveyor belt to um, radical Islamic terror as soon as he gets inside uh, prison. Which to step back a bit is you know is that because he's adopted, mm. and is that because he's adopted by 
white parents. Is that? Yeah. It's just yeah. from his yeah. very birth, he was fated to. Yeah. Which is kind of, I guess, in some way pushing a sort of genetics yeah. uh, agenda as well. Yeah. It's it's just mad that he should write a character where it's like he's 16 years old. Like, <laughs> he makes the mistake, <laughs> albeit a pretty big one. <laughs> he burns down his neighbor's house. We've all uh, been there. We've all been there. Uh, but then that's it. That's the chance at life gone. Condemned? No, no second chances. Lock him up, throw away the key, but don't let any uh, Muslims anywhere near him because uh, oh, you'll regret it if oh, you do. Yeah, well, yeah. Oh, boy. You will reap that reward. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, another relatively chilling episode. Uh, I think I think Dean's backstory is um, it's the worst part, isn't it? Let's be honest. Of the entire, of what we've obviously yeah. what we've read so far, but yeah. so far, uh, yeah, I think I think it's it's a, it's a particularly a particular low point of the whole book. It's a magnifier for all of Johnson's worst instincts. I think it's yeah. it's a petri dish of uh, racism and a. Uh, kind of warped social policy and ideology that really when you look at it is just achingly cruel (laughs) yes yeah it is yeah which is yeah which is pretty bleak yeah anyway we'll probably see you next week um, (laughs) for another um, I'm just reading from the front of the book another few chapters from this effortlessly brilliant page turner and I couldn't agree more that's the Daily Telegraph yeah, see you next week. Bye. Cheers, bye. Oh.